Who likes an invitation? Does anyone like an invitation? Yeah? Surely no one doesn't like an invitation. Maybe Jack, he's saying he doesn't. But, <laughs> but I, was thinking, I was thinking this week, what's, what's like the best kind of invite? And I reckon it kind of starts at birthday parties are pretty good. Yeah? Anyone remember being invited to a birthday party? I think more as a kid, birthday parties were pretty fun. And I reckon there's different levels of birthday party invites. There's the, it starts off at the, oh, there's a party at our house, come along, and you're like, oh, that's cool, there'll be party food. A bowl of twisties that I can sit at and just eat the whole time. The next level is like where you go somewhere. You know, like, nowadays it's like latitude, but you might have gone bowling or to the movies or something as a kid with a party. I'm trying to remember, I did something. What, what were my parties? You go to Macca's. You just go to Macca's, right? That was like the party. Uh, so that's kind of the next level. But the highest level of party invite was the, the sleepover. Anyone ever go to a sleepover birthday party? That's the next level. Anyway, so the birthday parties are invites are good. What about just the invite to hang with friends? Does anyone enjoy that invite? Well, you, someone's thinking, I really want to hang with you. You guys have got some answers for me? I might give you, just wait two seconds. It might be in here. Um, <laughs> the hang with friends. Like it might be for a coffee, like the invite out to coffee. I love an invite out to coffee. Uh, or next level again is the invite to dinner at someone's house. Does anyone love going to someone's house for dinner? Well, you don't prepare food. You just get to eat delicious food and hang out. But I think the ultimate invite that you can get is the invite to a wedding. Yeah, does anyone love an invite to a wedding? It's kind of, there's, there's a very small gap, I feel like, or a small window where you get invited to weddings. My kids uh, obviously had someone in our family get married pretty recently, and they're like, they're just hanging out for the next wedding. And I'm like, your next wedding might be 20 years away. <laughs> like, it is because weddings are, they're just the best parties, aren't they? Like, again, great food, you get to dress up, you dance, you celebrate love. And I just think weddings are the ultimate invites. Did I cover everything, Rowdy? Oh. You're going to a birthday party today. Amazing. Invites are amazing. Rowdy also kicked three goals in footy this morning. Makes up for the Tigers losing last night. Um, these next few weeks, we are looking at uh, some Jesus stories. Uh, who knows that as followers of Jesus, we need to pattern our lives on Jesus, right? It's no use in us saying we follow Jesus and just go about living our life. We, we, we need to pattern our life on Jesus. And the best way that we can do that is to be looking at stories from Scripture around Jesus' life, what he did, uh, who he is, and keep reminding ourselves on, uh, on how we might live like Jesus. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bang on about this in a few weeks' time. It's a, a little bit away. But one of the things in us remembering to pattern our lives on Jesus, do you know that we believe that Jesus was fully God? but also fully man, right? It's actually part of pretty orthodox doctrine that we believe that Jesus was fully God, fully man. The thing about us patterning our life on Jesus, do you know that Jesus never 
on his life on earth never tapped into his divinity. He never actually tapped into like using his God powers on earth. Do you know why that's good news for us? Is that we can pattern our life on Jesus. That fully man, that he relied on the Holy Spirit's power within him and through him. And that power is available for us today so that we can pattern our life on Jesus. And the things that Jesus did, we also can do with the help of the Holy Spirit. It's good news, right? We'll talk heaps more about that at some point. But last week we looked at um, Jesus walking on water. Do we remember this? He kind of looked like a ghost walking on the water and, and Peter kind of got really bold and brave and he, he stepped out on the water. And we looked, we looked at... Um, how a life of fear robs us, doesn't it? But actually a life of faith brings life. It, it, it adds, it, it, it bears life, faith. Today we're, we're going to look at a, a very familiar story. For those of us who, who have followed Jesus for a bit, maybe for those of us who grew up in church and went to Sunday school, you may have sang, sung a song about the story this morning. Um, but Jesus is... It's kind of wrapping up towards the end of his ministry. And he's heading to Jerusalem. And we know that Jerusalem is where he, he met with the cross, where Jesus ended up being crucified. And he's, he's kind of on his way back. And it's one of the last stops before he actually gets into Jerusalem. And he walks into a town called Jericho. And we're going we're gonna to look at Luke 19, starting at verse 1 in Luke 19 together. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. <laughs> Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Can we pray together? And let's look at this. God, we thank you again. Uh, for who you are, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, you're with us and that you, uh, you point us to truth and you point us to Jesus. And we ask for that in these moments. We ask that whatever words are spoken, that they might point to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, uh, yeah, come and minister in these moments. We, we're just so grateful that you would be with us. And we just pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, familiar story. Does anyone remember the song? I can't really remember the song. It's something about Zacchaeus climbing a tree. I don't know. Yeah, you just sing it to yourselves. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I want to look at a couple of things. Uh, 
And the first in this story, I think if you grew up in church, uh, it sometimes gets painted that Zacchaeus was this good guy, right? Like the story of Zacchaeus, how good, good on you, Zacchaeus, good on you, mate. But actually, I want to tell you this morning that Zacchaeus wasn't the good guy. In fact, uh, you know, like I thought that Zacchaeus was a hero in Sunday school, but actually, if we were in that crowd and Jesus was coming through the town, I can tell you that most of us would have despised Zacchaeus. I I actually have written down, we, we may have hated Zacchaeus. You see... It tells us that Zacchaeus was a tax collector and we we probably know uh, the association with tax collectors in Jesus' day. They were guys who who ripped off others. They they worked for the oppressor. They used bullying tactics and and really it wasn't fully regulated. They could kind of do whatever they want to get money out of uh, uh, the Jews. But we find out with Zacchaeus, actually, he's not just a tax collector, he's the chief tax collector. That all the money from the tax collectors, he would have been getting a cut from them as well. This guy was like the head bad guy tax guy. Turn to the person next to you and say that sentence. (laughs) I can't even remember. Anyway, he was rich from ripping off all the people. He was a traitor. He worked for the Romans. He worked for, you know, the oppressors. He was well known in Jericho for just being a bad dude. So Jesus is in town. He's popping through. Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is in town. By this stage in Jesus' ministry, the whole of the land knew who Jesus was. His, His fame had spread very, very rapidly around the whole country. In fact, even outside. And people were, people were just so interested in what Jesus had to say. They'd, they were following him. They had heard all the stories. This, Remember, this is just moments before the triumphant entry, Palm Sunday that we know, where he walked into Jerusalem with crowds uh, lining the streets. He was well known. Zacchaeus had obviously heard that Jesus is about to kind of walk into the town and he decides to go check it out. But he was a bit late to the party, right? I think, has anyone gone to the Christmas pageant? It's been a few years now that we haven't had it. Can I tell you to get a, a front row seat at the Christmas pageant, you have to turn up at about, what, 5am, 6am, Baz? You know? It's either you have to turn up really early to get that front row seat or you have to know someone who's willing to get up early and kind of map out a a good spot. If you can't get there, you need the friends. And unfortunately, we see Zacchaeus is either slow on the uptake and maybe Zacchaeus doesn't have the friends to just let him in. I always think, surely, Zacchaeus, you could have just pushed your way in the crowd and and found instead of climbing a tree like Michael Jackson, you you actually could have just kind (laughs) of slotted your way through. But this was a guy who was hated. He he didn't have friends who would just let him in. In fact, if he started to try and push through, with that many people around, I can imagine maybe what what people may have done. 
So Zacchaeus does that. He finds a tree down the road a little bit, it says too. And he finds a tree and he climbs up because he, he just wants to see. He's curious as to who this Jesus is. We know the story. Jesus walks past and he sees Zacchaeus up in the tree and he calls him down. And he actually says to him, hurry up, hurry up. I'm coming to your house for dinner. Who wishes that's how it worked? You know, like, tonight, uh, I'm going to come to your house for dinner. Like, or, you no? Know, anyone else? You do that with your parents sometimes, I think. Um, but Jesus actually puts the invite out to Zacchaeus to come down and that they will end up hanging out. Can I tell you, in this story, if there was someone in that crowd who didn't deserve to spend time with Jesus, it was Zacchaeus. Out of all the people in the crowd, in that, in that town, Zacchaeus was not the obvious choice for Jesus to be hanging with. In fact, he was probably, like I said, the worst candidate. Can I tell you why that's good news for us today? Can I tell you? Jesus calls Zacchaeus anyway. He's, he's the worst candidate. He's the, he's the guy in the town who really didn't have things together. And Jesus calls him anyway. In fact, he chooses to spend his only time in that town with Zacchaeus. Are we getting kind of the, the impact of that? Can I tell you this morning, Jesus didn't come for healthy people. Jesus came for the sick and for those who needed him. Jesus saw Zacchaeus and instead of recognising him, and get this this morning, instead of recognising him for who he was in that moment, Jesus saw Zacchaeus for who he could be and what he could become. Who thinks that's good news for you this morning, hey? Jesus calls us, to follow him while we are still making mistakes. While we're still doing dumb things because Jesus doesn't see us as we are now. He sees us as we could be. The potential, the redeemed version of us, the healed version of us, the restored version of us is what Jesus sees. It's good news, right? We don't have to have things, all of our things together before God can use us. Can I say that again? We don't have to have all of our stuff together before God can use us. If he is calling you, like he called Zacchaeus out of the tree, can I urge you, don't wait to try and get things together before you start following his calling. I believe that God equips us, that God transforms us in the following. Can anyone testify to that? When God called me, I didn't have it together. As I start following Jesus, suddenly Jesus starts transforming in the following. Ah. Uh. Can I add this morning, and I think this is really important to say, 
that it's not an if he is calling you this morning. It's not there's a magical moment where Jesus might call me or if he's calling me. This morning, I'm letting you know that Jesus is calling you. That Jesus is calling you. He's calling you to follow him. He's calling you to move from a watching and seeing position up in a tree to actually come down and come close to him, to be with him, to journey with him. Maybe you just needed to hear that this morning. It's not a group of special people that God has chosen. We don't believe that. We believe that actually God is calling everyone to come and follow him. We see a radical change happen in the story, don't we? We see this guy up in the tree comes down, a guy who has been ripping off people for a long time. He's a very rich man. It tells us he's a very rich man. We see a radical change happen in the story. We see the selling and the the giving back what's owed, and we'll get to that in a moment. But I also believe something that's, that's almost as powerful as that. We see a change of identity in Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was known before uh, this encounter as his job and his shady dealings. He was known as, you know, the chief tax collector, the rip-off guy. But who knows or who thinks that after this story he was known as something else? He was known in a different way. He was known actually by another story after this encounter. Because in Jericho, if you mention Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus, I don't know which way to say it, Zacchaeus, he was known as the tax collector in Jericho. Everyone knew him. But can I tell you that after that, I reckon the story was different. When you would say to someone, do you know Zacchaeus? You wouldn't say, you know, the tax collector. You would have said, do you know Zacchaeus? He's that guy that Jesus called out of a tree. Don't you reckon that would have been his identity from then on? He's that guy that Jesus went and, like, he actually had, like, lunch and dinner at his house. He hung out with him. The encounter with Jesus changed Zacchaeus' identity. He was known a different way. He was now known as Jesus' mate. Can I tell you this morning that when we encounter Jesus, when we follow him, he doesn't call us by our old names anymore. He doesn't call us by our, our old labels. We are known from that moment on as his sons and daughters. Is that, is that good? Come on, this is, this is gospel. This is good news. That we're actually known as something different. We take on new identity. Our identity comes from Christ, from being with Christ. We become a new creation, Scripture tells us. Do you love that? Love it. So, new identity. But we also see some action, don't we? We actually see Zacchaeus... Uh, another cool thing in this story is the end. Zacchaeus goes to Jesus. Did you notice that it wasn't Jesus telling Zacchaeus exactly what he had to do? He wasn't like, Zacchaeus, you have to sell this, you have to give back. No, what we actually see is that Zacchaeus comes to Jesus and tells his plan. He's going to give half his wealth 
to the poor. And he's going to pay back times four to those that he had ripped off. Times four to those he had ripped off. We can only assume from the story that during the time that Jesus was hanging with Zacchaeus, that actually Zacchaeus was maybe a bit convicted by the way that he had been living. In fact, what we see here is the act of Zacchaeus repenting. Truly being sorry and turning away from that sin. I want to suggest this morning that repentance isn't just us saying sorry. That actually repentance involves some action. We know that Zacchaeus was truly repentant because uh, he was sorry for what he did, but he also turned away from kind of the, the bad things he had done. It led to action. I've been having a, a pretty constant conversation in my house where, where someone keeps telling me that they're sorry, but I see the same action over and over again. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a zinger. Got her. <laughs> uh, but, I, but I'm trying to teach my kid this pri- kids this principle. <laughs> it's okay, he's not in the room. Oh, okay. <laughs> this idea of being sorry, who knows that us saying sorry, it actually doesn't mean anything if we keep doing everything the same again. We're not truly sorry, are we? Repentance isn't just us saying sorry. Repentance is us acknowledging that I need, to, I need to turn away from that. We know that Zacchaeus was truly repentant because he was sorry and he acted on it in a way that cost him a lot, didn't it? We sometimes say we're sorry and we ask for forgiveness without truly repenting, right? Now, can I just preface it by saying we have the most gracious God who, who forgives and forgives and forgives. But I, I don't want to be someone who just says sorry and keeps living the same way. I want to be someone who repents, who, who turns from my path to, to again face Jesus. But but we sometimes do that. We say sorry, we ask for forgiveness without truly repenting, without actually changing our behaviour, without action. Can I tell you, repenting isn't just words. It means there's times where we turn it off. It means that we sometimes we, sh- we have to shut our mouths. It means that sometimes we have to put it down. It means that sometimes we have to walk away. It means sometimes we have to throw it away. It means sometimes that we have to forgive. It doesn't just end with us saying sorry. It, takes, it ends with us taking action and trying to get rid of it in our lives. Uh, my old youth pastor used to talk about repentance like vomiting. 
Uh, it was, it was kind of fun because it was kids and talk about vomiting is good. But, but the idea of repenting isn't just saying sorry. It's actually getting it out. Vomiting is actually good for us, right? Like sometimes it's trying to get the poison or whatever's in us out. The, the repentance is us vomiting it out, every bit of it, getting it out of us. This morning, no matter who we are, No matter where we've come from, no matter what we've done, I believe Jesus is standing there saying, come down. Come spend time with me. Come follow me. And my question to you this morning is, are you willing to? Maybe for some of us in the room, we've answered this call before. We we can testify to to actually like, there was a time where I, I said, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. But maybe you found yourself sitting back, watching from the tree again. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus is, is still calling you. He's calling you to come close again. The faith isn't just something where we sit in a tree watching it go by. But he actually calls us to be close, to have relationship, to spend time. Maybe this morning you need to revisit the habit of repentance. Not just a sorry, but a sorry and action. Knowing God's forgiveness and grace, but some action may need to take place. I'm going to pray and then we're actually... We're going to share in communion together this morning. We're going to again remember where our forgiveness comes from. We're going to take time remembering what Jesus did for us. His body broken for us. His blood spilled for us. So that we may live, right? That we may know His forgiveness and grace that we may experience restoration and renewal. Let's pray. Our God, we thank You for Your Scripture. We thank You for that Your Word is alive today. That it isn't, uh, like has already been said, it's not stories from a long time ago, but that it's living now. We thank you for this story. We thank you for what you're teaching us through the story of Zacchaeus. Thank you for the reminder this morning that Jesus, you are always calling us. That you are always calling us closer. Just with eyes closed, which is just just out of respect for everyone. I want a chance for us to respond this morning. There was a question that I asked. Are you willing to follow Jesus this morning?
I'm going to be honest with you too. I'm going to close my eyes. This is, this is purely just for yourselves. But if this morning you are willing to follow Jesus, I just ask as a, as a, uh, as a response, a physical response, you just might just put your hand in the air for a couple of seconds saying, I am willing to follow you, Jesus, this morning. If you are willing to follow Jesus, just ask that you, as a, as a representation, just that you might put your hand up to say, Jesus, I am willing this morning to follow you. Just thank you, Jesus. Willing to follow you. This morning, Holy Spirit, we need your help. We need your help in repenting. We need your help in not just saying sorry, but actually turning away. We ask that you strengthen us in that this morning. We ask in these moments that God, you may break habits and addictions. Pray in Jesus' name that habits and addictions are broken. Behaviours that have gone on for, for too long, we ask that they be broken now, Jesus. Holy Spirit, lead us away from that. Holy Spirit, in these moments together, just minister. We leave this in your hands. Amen. So we're going to have a chance to further respond. Remember what Jesus did for us. In Matthew 26, Jesus is with the disciples. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it for this is my body. He took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to, the, to forgive the sins of many. Today we're going to enter in uh, into this act of communion, the breaking of bread, the remembering of what Jesus has done for us together. We sang the words uh, earlier this morning, the cross has spoken, I am forgiven. As we eat, as we drink, I want you to remember that what Jesus did on the cross means that we are forgiven. The King of Kings calls me His own. That because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can be called sons and daughters of Jesus. A new identity that we can take on. And as we drink and eat, it's not to remember in grief. Can I tell you that? 
Sometimes it's seen, we, we take communion and it's, it, it's almost like an act of grief. Oh, Jesus died for us. But can I tell you the death wasn't final, was it? Is there an amen to the death wasn't final? And actually, you can smile while you take communion. You can smile because of the resurrection. Because as we, as we drink, as we eat, we remember that Jesus brings life. We can smile while we have communion this morning together. So I invite you, we're just gonna uh, come up and, and, and hand out in the most COVID safe way we can. Communion, I invite you up um, and just to take your time remembering what Jesus has done for us each this morning. Let's do it.